You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> hey guys, producer Darren here. Before we get into the podcast, I wanted to give you a quick announcement about a two-day intensive that Cindy is hosting in Tampa, Florida on September 16th and 17th. Are you an entrepreneur who is looking for spiritual and professional guidance from an experienced faith-based coach? Are you ready to take your business to the next level, but aren't sure where to start? Do you have big goals, but need help developing a strategic plan? This class could be the catalyst for a lifestyle shift that will affect every area of your life, including your family, your business, and most importantly, increasing your experience of oneness with God. Spots for this event are limited and early bird pricing starts June 1st. You'll want to go to cindy-stewart.com to get more information and get registered for this event today. Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. Today we're going to talk about counterculture. Um, last week we started this journey. And the reason we started this journey is because I have had this great sense that God has more for us. Amen. Come on, that's biblical. So come on, I need, I need a little help here. But, um, but that God has more for us. But I feel like we're in the war for the more. I feel like we're in a flesh war with ourselves. We're in a culture war with what the world's saying. We're in a demonic war with what the enemy has planned against us. And through this journey, we're going to start identifying, sorting, uh, healing, the, the heart, the soul, the mind, we're going to be kicking the enemy to the curb and where he has permission to uh, attack us because of things that open doors, things that we've allowed in, where we have, where he had permission, we're going to get those doors closed. Yes. So he has nowhere to inhabit and where he doesn't have permission and he, we just have a target on our back and he's decided we're his assignment. We're going to put up our shield of faith. Yeah. We're going to extinguish the fire redart of the enemy yeah. and we're going to stop the attack that he's had against us. And it takes us all individually, but it takes us all corporately. Just like as we've shared testimonies and all this type of stuff, what we're realizing is that there's power in that testimony yeah. because what God has done for John, he can do for me. He can do for you. You know what, uh, what the other John shared, John too shared, you know, what Jean shared, you know, what we're realizing, Candy sharing, what we're realizing is that together we're powerful. And it takes us all. See, I had a, I had a motorcycle agree with me. It's so funny. I was driving up here uh, the other day and um, there's a police car on my left. I'm in kind of the next to the last side lane. And there's a little bit of Kia. 
And then there's a mo uh, big, uh, what do you call those Mustangs? Uh, I mean, it was one of those zooped up Mustangs. Yeah, that's what it was. It had the little cobra thing on it. He is going. And there's this policeman right there. And I'm kind of watching. So he gets a little space so he can pull in front of me. So he goes, And you know, when you think about it, I was thinking about it, that is kind of an illustration in the natural of how the enemy uses our disobedience and our lawlessness right. Right. to attack us. Right. You know, if, if I'm not going to follow the heart of God and what he has for us, what I'm saying is enemy, have your way. Because I've got one foot on God's side, one foot on your side, so... And then I'm not going to blame God because I'm, I'm over here dancing with the enemy. And then I'm like, well, God, why didn't you protect me? I said, I, you know, he's like, I'm trying the best I can. But yeah. it's hard when you run out in front of the, the cars when I've told you not to cross the road right. there. Yeah. Right? right. So anyhow, that's so we're, we're going on this journey to wholeness. And it, it's a war. And the way we're going to get there is if we battle together, we put our battle plan together and do this. So um, Gene mentioned this scripture earlier, and I'm going to read it again. It's 3 John 2. And it's so important for us just to remember we are declaring this over us. And we know that when we declare the word, it is activated for us. When we declare the word and we do, when we decree, when we decree a thing, it's established for us so that the light will shine. That's what uh, Job 22, 28 says on our path. So we need to understand that when we declare word, heaven is responding to the word of God being declared. So, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. And we need to circle the world all. Yeah. Because all means all. It doesn't mean anything else. And be in health just as your soul prospers. And the reason is, for I greatly, I rejoiced greatly when a brethren came and testified to the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. And that's one thing we're going after is the truth of the word. Amen. We've got to go after the truth of the word. So even this word that we just read, the verse two, we have to believe that God wants us to prosper in all things. Yeah. Because if we say... I believe that God wants me to prosper in my health, but not prosper in this or not prosper in my children or not prosper in my business. Then, then that is an open door for the enemy. When we say, God, I believe your word, but, but this particular part, cause I've had financial trouble. So that means that word doesn't apply to me. What that says is enemy. What I've said is that God is a liar. So you can go ahead, come in and attack my finances because that's what I've agreed in my heart. So I can't go forward financially. I can't go forward with my children. You know, it says that uh, for our children, you know, we sing that song, our children's children. And that's out of uh, Isaiah 59, 21. If we believe that our children are not going to come back to the Lord, if we believe that our children are handed over to the enemy, if we believe there's no hope for our family, then, then what happens is that gives the enemy feeding ground. Because with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. So it doesn't matter what it looks like, and it doesn't matter what's happening right now. God, I declare with you, over my family, over my finances, over my children, 
over my children's children, all things are possible. And those all things I read in the word and I declare it because when I declare it, heaven agrees and responds with the declaration to the word of God being released. Amen. Right? And that's where we've got to get to. And I know I said this last week, but I think I said the wrong person. I'm reading a, a book by, it's Chuck Pierce. And the name of the book is uh, Future War of the Church. Is that it? Uh-uh. Uh, the Unfolding Battle Plan. I'm sorry. That's the, yeah, and the, both of them are very good. But the Unfolding Battle Plan, and he wrote it probably 15 years ago. But it is so applicable to right now. And he talks about the, the war, the war on the blood. How, how are we believing that the blood of Christ paid for everything? It's the war on what the blood does. It's the war on healing. There's a little section about the war on healing, that there's a war on healing. But he shared a little bit of his testimony when he was younger. I think he was 18 or 19. And he was, and I shared this last week because it's so important. He said... I used to read four or five chapters at a time. And God said to him, do not go past the verse that you just read until you believe what it says. We've got to believe the word. We don't understand it, but understanding comes when we choose to believe. That's what faith is. I've chosen to believe what this word says, though I may not understand it fully. I may not understand 3 John 2. But my choice is that I will believe it and I will declare it. And anything that enters my mind that disagrees with it. I'm going to repent for it. I'm going to rebuke it. And if it keeps funneling through my mind, if it becomes a circle in my mind, then I'm going to ask God, where in my heart have I hidden that lie? What is it attached to that I can't get rid of it out of my mind? You know, we talked about Peter last week that he told Jesus in John 13 that I will die for you. And Jesus said, you're going to deny me because Jesus had to expose what was hidden in his heart that was keeping him from going all the way with God, Amen. all the way with anointing, all the way with the calling, all the way. You know, John, Peter would have never gotten to Acts 2. Had he not gone through yeah. the denial of Jesus, Amen. Right. the lie had to be exposed. Right. The hidden truth of his heart that he wanted to die for Jesus. But because what was hidden in his heart prevented him, it had to be exposed because he ended up dying for Jesus. Because he was able to go all the way because the lie was exposed. And that's what we have to do. Whatever we read and we, and we have doubt come in our mind, we have to say, God, you've got to show me. What is it about this? Is it my experience? Is it what I've been taught? We, I met with someone last week and, and they were explaining to me something. And I said, well, you, that's actually not biblical. Let's get out the word and let's read the word. And they said, well, I heard it from someone that I trust. And I said, well, I appreciate that. 
I do, because I've heard things that had to be uh, rearranged in my mind. Because sometimes my perspective, what, what lenses I wear, when I hear something, it's filtered through that lens. Which makes me think, oh, that's so good. That just lines up with what I thought anyhow. Yep, that's right. But it ain't right. And when we went through the word, there was like this light bulb of, okay, what I thought was correct wasn't. So God wants to take out what is not correct and put the word in. And it was a light bulb for them. And, and I was very grateful that they were willing to look through because, you know, we all have our favorite people that we listen to. And, and there are some amazing, amazing people out there. But everything has to be filtered through the word. You know, sometimes we use illustrations that in our mind, we're clear in what we're trying to say. But sometimes when it's, it's articulated, the way someone hears it might be filtered through something else. So we, we have to hang on to the word. Um, and I was, <laughs> yeah, God is fun. He is Amen. fun. So we're going to use this fasting to, to, to tighten up our plumb lines, Amen. to recalibrate. We're going to be like cars hooked up to those electronic checkers to see what's wrong with it, you know. And God's going to go through us and say, let's refine this. Or let's bring a, a, a greater understanding to this one piece that you have so that you can grow in the more that I have for you. Amen. Amen. Okay. So we're, uh, we're going to start. Uh, that was just the preliminary. We are going to start in, uh, uh, let's start in numbers. We'll start in numbers 13. And it's interesting to think about counterculture because that's a big word that's using right, that's being used right now. Uh, but the counterculture means that, and I, I looked up the definition. It says a culture with values and mores that run counter to those of established society. So what's established in society, counterculture is counter to that. It's, it's opposite to that. So we're going to talk about counter culture and we have to be a people in this day and time that are counter culture. That the only thing that we do comes out of the very word and breath of God. There are, John and I were talking earlier, there are so many pressures coming against us. Um, and it's, it's really against people who believe in Jesus. Right. That they're coming against us because they want to lure us into conformity instead of allowing the word to transform us into kingdom unity. So we're in, a, there's a battle for our minds. There's a battle for our time. There's a battle for our families. I mean, we're in full hand-to-hand -hand combat right now. There's a battle for our businesses. We're in hand-to-hand -hand combat right now. And it's uh, not only exterior, outside of the church. There's also battle within the church. 
And I talked a little bit about that last week, and you can go back and listen to the sermon if you want to hear it again. But Numbers 13, we're going to start in verse 27. And of course, we've got uh, the 12 spies that are getting ready to be sent out. They've been sent out. Moses is like, God's promised us to promised land. Go out, spy out the land. Let's see what we got. And we've got Caleb and Joshua that come back with something good to say. <laughs> so uh, verse 27, I'm not going to read all of 13 because I'd take a while. It says, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. Okay, Moses, we went, we did what you told us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And they brought back this giant, giant fruit. Nevertheless, the people now, okay, let me read the scripture. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the giants. And who just gave a word about the giants in front of us, right? right. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites, I mean, the bad people are out there everywhere, right? So verse 30 then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are able to overcome it. Whatever is in front of us, we are able to overcome it. Whatever giant we face, God has given us the power to possess. That's what we are. We are people who possess a land for the kingdom of God. And it doesn't matter if there's Amalekites and Canaanites and giants and Canaanites. All, it doesn't matter. Because God is with us. Yeah. Yep. And he has anointed us yeah. to take the land in front of us. Right? right. Everybody, amen. That's amen. me. I'm on it. I'm, I'm doing it. Amen. But what happens is we get beat down by the voices around us and listen to it. And, and, and it's true. It, it happens. It says, okay, but the men who had gone up, so the other 10 that went with them said, we're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Now, whose report, first of all, in Exodus God tells Moses, I'm sending you into the promised land that's full of milk and honey, that this, that I will give you whatever you need to overtake it, right? So that is God's report. Joshua and Caleb understand. They're able to see God's report that th that back there is this right here. We have gotten to the place where God has called us to go. Yeah. But all the people around them. And we're saying maybe even their friends. I don't know. Maybe they're friends. No, no. Too hard. Too many obstacles. Too much power that's stronger than us. Let's see. God. Them. I can see them. But I forgot to look there. So they must be right. Right? I mean, that is what is happening here. They are saying, I hear you, God, but I know by what I see. And what I see is there ain't no way. 
I don't care what you've anointed me to do. I don't care what your word says. That is much bigger than you are. That, that in essence is what they are saying. That is what they're saying. My daughter told me a quote from somebody. She says, when someone tells you no, that means you're talking to the right, wrong person. Just FYI. That's just a little FYI. Yeah, you may have to think about that. So, so you can't, we can't go. Verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Hmm. Then we saw the giants. And for them, it was physical giants. For us, what are our giants? Like Don was saying, what are our giants that are bigger than our God? That make us feel like, he says, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. We were so tiny. We're like bugs that they can just squish. It's interesting to think about, you know, we look back and we can analyze all the things that they did wrong. What? They didn't believe God? What? They wanted to throw Moses out? What? What were they thinking? But it's hard when you're in the midst of giants surrounding you to see that the giant is more intimidating then the anointing that God has given us to go and take that giant out. Right? right? Okay, verse uh, 14, uh, verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron because it's definitely their fault. Definitely their fault. We got to find somebody to blame. It's definitely their fault. And the whole congregation said to them, now, this is, this is where we have to get rid of regret. If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Regret. If only we had done this. If only when we're looking back and we have regret and bitterness, that's what we have to get rid of. If there's any regret in our life, we have, that has to be uprooted and taken out. I think we worked on that a little bit Friday night, didn't we, Jean? The bitterness and stuff. Um, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? Who said that? God said, I'm sending you to a land of milk and honey. I'm sending you to the promise that I've given you. So that means something in their own hearts made them believe that they would die. That would be trust. So in verse four, it says, so they said to one another, okay, let's select a leader and return to Egypt. Let's retreat. Let's turn back. Let's back up from what God has called us to do. That's a shaking right there. Because you know that God will go after us until we relent. Until we relent. And he does. 
Verse 7. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to the spy, uh, to spy out is exceedingly good land. This is Joshua and Caleb. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Now, this is the key portion that I want us to write down and, and just declare over ourselves. Do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. We're going to take that land. They are our bread. And their protection has departed from them. So we don't have to worry about that. Their protection has departed from them. If God has sent us to occupy, to possess a land, that means his protection has gone with us to do it. And the land we're going to take, that protection has been lifted. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Do not fear them. Do not fear them because they are our bread. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. <laughs> but what happens? The glory of the Lord shows up. And not one stone is released. Not one. The glory of the Lord intervened. It's not a word, just the presence. And the presence backed down the stones being thrown. That's what God has for all of us. When he sends us, he sent the protection with us. So it talks about Caleb being of a different spirit. And I always love that phrase, but I always like, what is that different spirit? You know, I want to know what that different spirit is. Caleb was of a different spirit. I want to have a different spirit. I don't want to be the 10. I want to be over with the two and God, yeah. two and God. That's where I want to be. But sometimes I get drawn into the 10. I'm like, I don't know. That's, that's, that's pretty big. And, and God's like, get back over here. I mean, really, sometimes we forget in a moment that what's in front of us may be too big for us, but it's not too big for the one standing over us. It's not too big for him. And he will show us exactly how to get through whatever giant is in front of us because we have the faith of a mustard seed that we can say to that mountain move and it has to move because that is within us as believers. So Joshua and Caleb were positioned to possess the land because they knew the word of the Lord. And it's interesting because it's not like, when God gave that word out of Exodus about he's going to take them into a land of milk and honey, it's not like he said, okay, that's going to be June 21st so they could prepare for it. What happened was they kept going with God, kept going with God, and then the opportunity presented itself. And the door was open, and the direction from the Lord was given, go, possess the land. So they were positioned to possess. We have to be positioned to step into that opportunity that's opened that God may be gave us a prophetic word 15 years ago. And suddenly this is that. And that door is opened 
I know I've had that where, you know, probably in 2000, I don't know, four or three, something like that. People kept on saying, you're going to be a pastor. I'm like, oh, no way. You're going to have a church. I'm like, no way. Um, and lo and behold, in 2012, all of a sudden the door opened. We were positioned. Karen started, Chuck. We were positioned and we stepped in to what was prophesied, you know, six eight years ago. And we had in 2011, we had no thought of doing that. But suddenly in January of 2012, we go out to Bethel. We get all these words about churches. We go to Morningstar. We get all these words about churches. And then suddenly we were opening a church. Because the anointing of the Lord was on it. We were positioned to step into something that we had no preparation for. And we had a few giants in front of us, but all we could see is what God wanted. And here we are. We were positioned to, to, to possess. That's where we are. We're positioned to possess. And right now in this 30 days, we're positioned to possess wholeness. We're positioned to possess the truth of the word and get rid of any thing that might be slightly incorrect in our thinking. We're positioned to possess healing in our body. We're positioned to possess wholeness in our mind. We did a whole mind thing Friday night. I know a lot of you guys were here and God just did it. We had several people come up after God just lifted off that mind crushing chaos that was happening in my head. We're positioned to possess Caleb and Joshua's heart was aligned with God's heart. They didn't understand. All they saw was they saw differently. They saw milk and honey. And the giants had lost their protection. So it was free reign for them. Their vision was different. God, I've been praying that for the last two weeks. Change my vision. Let me see your realm First, before I look at the natural realm. And they believe the promise of God in spite of what it looked like. They believed. They did not waver at opposition because they knew the enemy was their bread. What we're to possess will feed us. What we are to possess will expand the kingdom of God because that's what we're doing anyhow. If we're going to prosper in every way, it's going to expand the kingdom of God. It will fund the kingdom of God. They were the remnant, the two out of 12, that could see what God saw. They were the remnant. I want to be the remnant. I want to be the two out of 12. And honestly, I want the other 10 to see. But that's God's responsibility. I just need to be where God has me. So when that giant comes at me, I know that I'm positioned to possess and he has no power to overthrow me. Right? Right. 
Right. right. So that's where we're going. So uh, I want to pray for us because I believe this is important for us to grab a hold of. And I, I just want to pray. I'm going to read this one more scripture out of Second Corinthians, but I'm going to read that. And then we're going to stand and we're just going to pray because how many of you know what giant is facing you? Okay. We're going to, we're going to just declare this word over us. And, but let me just read this out of second Corinthians 10, uh, verses four, uh, I'm sorry, three through six. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't, we do not war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. We have to be able to identify what our stronghold is. What is the stronghold that is keeping us from moving forward? We're casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So I want us to really pray into this for a minute. But the other thing I want to say is, um, and I, I sent this out to, I think, Matt and Gina. Um, you know, the other thing that I, I was reading in Chuck Pierce's is we have to be able to identify the demonic force that is hovering over the territory we are trying to possess. And, and God will identify that force because, you know, with, with the 10, what was one of the major principalities over them? Unbelief, fear, the unknowing of what it's going to look like. The built narrative in their mind that if we do this, then we're just going to die. They had already built a story around what the future was going to look like. Right. Have you ever built a story about what's going to happen? Both on the good side and the bad. I'm going to close every deal. That's a declaration. Or maybe I'll get sick so I don't have to go to that meeting and talk to them. You know, you know have we ever built a story? Or when I get there, they're going to be so mad that I'm not going to know what to say. Or, you know, have we ever built a story about I don't have enough finances to do what God's called me to do? Well, if God's called you to do it, he'll finance it, right? But we build these stories because there's unknown. And that does equate to unbelief. Or there's something that's triggering from a past situation that we may not even realize. If we've struggled with fear, then there's something in that that's trying to trigger that fear back in us. You know, there's all kinds of ways that the enemy wants to distract, destroy, delay, detour, discourage. But the word will give hope. It will give clarity. It will give confidence. It will reassure us. Now, it doesn't mean we may not go forward. We, we may have a little fear and trembling as we go forward. Because, you know, sometimes you get butterflies in your stomach when you're about to step out and do something that you know God's called you to do, but you're not sure how to do it. Right. It doesn't mean that we won't be a little nervous about it. 
But what it means is that the word will bring the peace that we need to possess the place that God has given us. Right? Amen. 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 Okay, so if you guys will stand, I just want to read this over us, uh, this scripture out of uh, Numbers 14, and it, it's just a, a declaration over us, okay? So just close your eyes, put out your hands, let's receive it all. And I'm going to rearrange it a little bit for us. The land we are to possess is exceedingly good land. The Lord delights in us and he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land for they are our bread. Their protection has parted from them and the Lord is with us. So do not fear in Jesus' name. Amen. So go forward and possess, right? Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.